You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the VolQuest podcast where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the VolQuest podcast every Tuesday here at VolQuest.com and on the VolQuest YouTube channel. If you're watching us on YouTube, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. And as always, Christmas just right around the corner. You can get a VolQuest.com one-year subscription for only $10, a great Christmas gift uh, to get that Vol fan in your family, in your circle of friends, $10 for one year at VolQuest.com. I'm Eric Kane with Austin Price, Brent Hubs, and Rob Lewis. Plenty to discuss here on this Tuesday edition of the podcast. Uh, guys, it was early Monday morning. The Senior Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl, tweeted out that Darnell Wright had accepted his invitation to play in the All-Star Game. So that essentially means Darnell Wright will go to the NFL, but Austin Price looks like he is going to play in the Orange Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Uh- He's indicated to people on staff he intends to play in the Orange Bowl. Um, you know, Darnell really, you know, kind of struggled with the decision on whether to uh, go or or stay. But I mean, accepting the invitation to the Senior Bowl, um, you know, certainly lends itself to you know leaning that way. It doesn't officially lock you in. If he wanted to still come back, he could. Um, but you know, it certainly feels like it's trending hard towards the NFL. But Darnell, I think, has always kind of wanted to play in a big bowl game like this. This is very intriguing to him to play in the Orange Bowl and going up against some really quality D linemen from, from Clemson. This is a real challenge and a real opportunity to uh, show what he can do. He's already done that against Will Anderson, against B.J. Ojolari. Um, This is another opportunity for him against some quality D linemen for the Clemson Tigers. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, is for, for people who don't know Darnell, Darnell is in a great place in Darnell's world right now. He, he's in a great place in life. He loves Glenn Ellerby. He's really enjoying being in college and being at Tennessee. Um, I, I don't, I don't, he, I think he's going to end up going to the NFL with you. I'm with you, AP, because from a business standpoint, that, that probably makes the most sense. But from an emotional standpoint, Darnell Wright is as happy in college and doing what he's doing right now as, as he's ever been and is, and is as comfortable as he's ever been, Austin. And, um, I, I think that's something that that's caused that struggles because he just feels very comfortable here. And for Darnell, getting comfortable with people and getting comfortable in a setting is not always the easiest the easiest thing for him. And, and I think that's why this decision uh, has been and continues to be a bit hard for him. Yeah, and he's really comfortable. I mean, he's super tight with Cooper. And you're right, he loves Glenn Ellerby. Those two have bonded so so well. You know, it's nothing that he, he didn't. You know hate Will Friend, but I, I feel like in, when Will Friend left, Darnell saw that as a real opportunity to grow. And, um, you know, I, I think he embraced that that change as much as anybody on this football program, and he ran with it. And admittedly, when he was on Ball Club Confidential a few weeks ago, said, you know, I wasn't sure at first because I'm, I'm, you know, slow to trust. But, you know, once he kind of saw what Glenn Ellerby, Ellerby was about, 
it was all in. And I mean, outside of Jalen Hyatt, has anybody improved more in two years under this staff than uh, than than Darnell? No, but and I was gonna say that you know some people will be not the mask for you, but you'll, you'll hear some people quibble. Well, you know, Josh Heupel's winning with Jeremy Pruitt's players, you know, Jalen Hyatt, Blitnikoff. None of those guys, neither of those guys or other, other people on the team had even come close to, you know, to realizing their potential to that degree. And, and my comeback to people who, you know, would pick at that is you, you better win with somebody else's players or you're not going to be here in four years when, you know, when you have a roster for your own recruits. I mean, that's, that guy, that's imperative. Yeah, and, and I think Darnell, I, I think you can make the case that he has improved more than anybody else in this program. And, and I mean, Jalen Hyatt's a guy who always had the talent. He, he lacked a little confidence, and, and I'm not saying Jalen Hyatt hasn't improved but because he has, but from where Darnell was, lack of confidence, body out of shape, um, you know, and everything else, I, I don't know that there, he may have come further than anybody in this program has come. Uh, since the arrival of Josh Heupel and his staff. Um, you know, I, I'm just – I'm impressed with what he has accomplished, you know, and, and and how much better he has fundamentally gotten under Glenn Ellerby. I mean, he has really gotten better, really improved. Yeah, and, and to, to, to Rob's point, I mean, anybody that's talking about winning with Jeremy's players, yeah, just like Jeremy won with Butch's players. I mean, in 2019 when Tennessee went 75, who were Tennessee's best players? They're all Butch's guys. When you come in, you better be winning with the previous guy's players or you're not making any progress. So Well, and here's the um, thing Josh Heupel deserves credit for, is they were never Jeremy Pruitt's players. When Josh Heupel got on campus – They treated them all the same. You know, hours upon being on campus, several days upon being on campus, they were Josh Heupel's players. There was never, Eric, that that divide, you know, he never told people to go jump in the portal and get out of town and in, in this type of thing. I mean – he embraced those guys, understood what they were looking for, understood what they needed from a relationship standpoint. And from that moment on, they were Josh Heupel's guys because they were Tennessee's football players. They weren't Jeremy Pruitt's football players or some previous coach's football so, players. And you so know, he didn't come in and tell them he's bringing in Louie and, and tell them the portal. And, and you, you know who else did that? And it, I mean, if you're going to make a quick turnaround, it's I mean, you've got to do that. And he, 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 he had a lot of faults, but I tell you, Bruce Pearl did the same thing. When he came in with Dane Bradshaw, Jawan Smith, I mean, guys that, that he inherited, they were, you know, he wasn't looking for ways to get rid of them or run them off. He was like, what can, you know, what can I turn these guys into that is the best fit for us? Which I think, you know, there aren't a lot of parallels between Josh Heifel and Bruce Pearl, <laughs> but, but that's one of them right there. Figuring out what you've got and how you can win with it instead of complaining about it. Yep, Absolutely. Hey, Gary Patterson says hello. Um, you know, the, the guys he recruited in the college football playoff right now. But again, to your point, Sony Dykes comes in, you buy into a vision, you buy into a program. I mean, that's, that's Dykes' team, obviously. And that's the same thing here uh, with Josh Heupel. I just now, don't see Dor how you do it any other way. I mean, no. I, I, in this day and you age can't. with the transfer portal and everything else, I, I just don't see how you can can do it without saying, hey, you know, we're family, you're, you're my guy and, and go from there. I'm not, I'm not saying you're begging guys to stay, but I, I don't think you can give off a lot of vibes that says, Hey, you, you're, you're not one of us and, and, and kind of create a natural divide that way. I, I just don't know how you succeed in doing it. If that's what your plan is. So with, with Darnell Wright accepting his invitation to the senior bowl, uh, also nothing really changes, right? I mean, Tennessee, I think would like to get an offensive tackle from the transfer portal, um, you, you do have, of course, Joe Mincy 
and J.J. Crawford on on the roster right now. Dane Davis is a guy that has stepped in and, and filled in before. But I think Tennessee, if one makes sense, would like to bring in an offensive tackle to play either left or right uh, via the transfer portal then get one on campus. Yeah, if they can get the right guy. Um, obviously, they went Larry Johnson here in the last week and a half. and He looks like a guard, league. Austin, does he not? No, well, you know, I, again, I'm not a talent evaluator. I, I never have been a talent evaluator. Um, I am a information gatherer. Uh, I can you told, tell you, you told what I see with my own eyes. I don't disagree with what you're saying. Um, but, you know, the, the people in, in the recruiting department, whether it was Scott Altizer running it 20 years ago or – or, or or Bob Welton or Jeremy Staff or this one, like they see it differently than I see it or you see it or fans see it. But that's all they look at every day. That's their job. So, you know, they're looking at ankles and, and bone density and all that stuff that we always make, make light of. But, like, I mean, that's a real thing that they look at stuff like that and, you know, the ability to push off with this foot or that foot and all these things. So, um, you know, again – you better hope that he's some type of player because you're going the Juco route. You expect him to come in and play right away. They can't afford for him to take a year like J.J. Crawford did. Now, Crawford got here at the last possible minute two years ago and really just was set up you know, to not be able to factor. Johnson shouldn't be that way. Johnson should have more time to develop under the staff before next season gets here, which should give him an opportunity. Like I said, though, you, you need somebody to take a step forward, whether that's Crawford in his final year, Mincy, Dane Davis, Larry Johnson, do one of those other younger tackles, figure it out and kind of, you know, take a step forward this offseason. You need that because, you know, you made it kind of work at left tackle this year with kind of a, you know, rotation there between Mincy and Crawford, and you knew you had the right side locked down. That right side has got one game left, and then he's off to the NFL. So you got to figure that out. That's very, very important because, you know, Joe, <laughs> Joe, Joe's new at quarterback. I know he's got some experience, but he's still new at quarterback. You're going to have a lot of new bodies on this offense. You need some type of staple there outside of Cooper and Spraggs. Well, here's the other thing, too, that shouldn't get lost when you talk about Darnell Wright, which I think could actually help him with his NFL stock, Rob. That's the durability factor. Yes. The guy didn't miss. No. You know, I mean, you, you look at the other side, Mincy was banged up for better part of a almost half the year. Crawford's had some injury issues along the way as well, and, and they've just kind of sort of managed those two together. It was anchored down on the right side because, one, Darnell Wright was their best tackle for sure, and, two, the, his durability factor I think the NFL is going to love because the guy has just been fortunate enough to, to not have to deal with anything injury-wise. Yeah, I think that's an underrated aspect of you know not just how effective he was able to be but of why he'll be attractive at the next level because you know maybe it's maybe it's luck but I mean this is a guy who was more or less a four-year starter and really you know I mean some guys are just built different I mean mm -hmm. Eric you, you played I mean some guys are just you know everybody freak freak things can happen but some guys are more injury prone than others and you know Darnell's got a body of work that says you know he's not gonna suffer you know have a tweaked ankle or you know a, a sore foot or you know just all these little minor nicks and bruises are going to cost them time. Yeah, and Eric, Eric, to the transfer portal part, I'm sorry I didn't interrupt you there. I wanted you finish up on, on Rob's point. To the transfer portal question you asked, I think the only thing you can take is a tackle body. I don't think you need to take another interior guy. Whoever you – if you take somebody in the portal on the offensive line, he better be a clear-cut offensive tackle, Eric. 
Oh, 100%. Uh, again, you, you've got you got a guard heavy in the in this class that's about to come in. You've got guards that are on the roster right now. Uh, you only have one offensive tackle in this class about to come in. And again, we, we spoke on, you know, Johnson, he, he slated in as a tackle, but I think it looks more like a guard. I mean, you, you better go get a tackle if you're going to bring anybody else in, 100%. Um, and, and one more thing on Darnell Wright. I mean, he's shown he can play right side. He started the entire last season on the left side. He's played, I want to say he's made five to six starts at right guard early in his career as well. So, I mean, if you're an NFL scout, you're just sitting there like, man, this guy doesn't miss games. He's durable. He's versatile. He's played at a high level across the line of scrimmage. He's got a lot of things going for him. So Darnell Wright accepts his invitation to the Senior Bowl. What else could we see this week? You know, Jalen Hyatt's. We spoke with him after the Bolitnikoff Award winner last week. Here's what Jalen Hyde had to say about decisions coming up this week and how he hopes to have something for Tennessee fans and something to put out there publicly at some point this week. I have to talk to my family and uh, the coaching staff. Uh, you know, we're still 50-50 on some things. And, uh, you know, I'll have a decision next week uh, for everybody. And um, But as far as, you know, those are two things I have to weigh in, you know, receiving record and just playing with the team and or or leaving. And, um, you know, I'm taking into consideration uh, hard, you know, with my family and coaches, but we'll have a decision next week. You know, you have to weigh in uh, both both options. Um, you know, do you, do you think, uh, you know, as far as scouting-wise, you know, do you feel like you're ready for the league? Do you think you need to come back? Um, you know, what is NIL? Uh, what are, what is NIL pushing? Um, and uh, as far as leaving, you know, what round? What, what is your evaluation? You know, what does the scouts think about you? Um, it's a lot of things that, you know, I have to take into uh, consideration and um, would do patiently doing it, you know, with my family and coaches. And, you know, I just want to credit Coach Hype of, you know, just helping me through the process and helping me make the right decision, you know, for me and my future. And that was Jalen Hyatt. Brent, it looks like uh, we're going to hear something one way or the other if he's going to go to the NFL, if he's going to stay at Tennessee, if he'll play in the Orange Bowl. Um, man, I, I continue to look at these mock drafts, continue to read these uh, evaluators who are smarter than me. Feels like he's going to be a high draft pick, and I think that's going to be tough to walk away from. Yeah, and I mean, look, we we had his dad, Jamie Hyatt, on uh, Rocky Top Rewind on Sunday night. Austin, I think you had Jalen on um on Sunday night as well. I mean, a decision's been made. It's just yeah. a matter of whenever, what what day they're going to announce. Um, there, there's nothing in an NFL mock draft that suggests Jalen Hyatt should be coming back to school, at least not anything I've seen. And and, and nothing that will suggest that he should play in this bowl game. So that, 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 that should tell you all you need to know. Tennessee fans need to be happy that Bruce should be back for this bowl game or Mel Keaton's basically been a pseudo starter all year. So, in reality, you're just replacing the slot when you roll out there against Clemson. Brew, Ramel, and then probably Squirrel. Let's see what they do with, you know, with, with Chaz Nimrod um, when they've got a month to prepare. Do they kind of slide him inside some? Um, you know, what do they do with Walker Merrill? You know, uh, th th that's going to be the wide receivers that Joe is uh, working with in this Orange Bowl. So, with that, uh, you know, Tennessee still – I mean, it's been pretty – uh, it looks like Tennessee has been trying to find a wide receiver in the transfer portal. Could that yeah. be Thornton out of Oregon? Could that be Ra Ra Thomas, Ra Ra Davis? I forgot his name from Mississippi Thomas, State. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee looks like it wants a wide receiver in the transfer portal. And if so, you'd like to get him on campus. So this weekend, Austin could be potential in, in seeing if anybody can be on campus. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ra Ra Thomas is a real possibility um, to visit, you know, here soon. Thornton. Indicated that he may visit here soon. Also, you know, when I spoke to him 
um, a couple of days ago indicated he may wait till January. Um, he's not in a super big rush. And I said, how, how real is it? And he goes, oh, my interest is he's very real. And he goes, he goes, man, the top offense in the country, throw it all around. I mean, he, he, he understands what they do here. And I think he saw what Jalen did. I think he saw what Brew did coming from the Pac-12 uh, into this league this year. And so, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see because, you, t- you know, Thomas, Thornton, they're not working on the same timeline, I don't believe. So, like, you know, is it kind of one of those, like, if you really wanted Thornton but Thomas wants in, you just taking him because you can't wait, you know, and end up with nothing, you know. I mean, like, I, I think that's what you could potentially see here in, in a lot of this. Um you know, but definitely uh, something I think that Tennessee is is very, very locked in on. Um, and, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think Tennessee could take a swing at Marshawn Lloyd, um, you know, the uh, the running back from South Carolina who went into the portal on Monday. I think that's a, a real possibility. And then uh, we'll also see what they do with, at other positions. But ultimately, every fan's going to go, what about the defense, Hubber? I mean, we're adding all these offensive guys. What about the defense? Well, and, and again, I, I think the defensive movement, if there is movement in the portal for defense, is going to come post-bowl game. Oh, Lord, yeah, um, that, that's kind of what it feels like is going on. Uh, and, and we'll see, you know, where it's at there. Is there more movement on Tennessee's roster post-bowl game and, and, and kind of where's, where, where things are shaking out from there? You're also going to have a chance to see your midterm guys for um, several days in bowl practice. And there'll be some evaluation there to say, do you think this guy can help sooner rather than later? Because we've talked about it. The corner position – is a position that you think you can come in, that a guy can come in early and, and be a factor as a freshman. So what does Jordan Matthews look like? What does Christian Conyers look like? I mean, um, those things will be factors in, in the bowl practice that that could assess kind of what Tennessee thinks and what they look at and then who stays and who doesn't stay uh, post-bowl game. Rob, I think one of the more fascinating things about the transfer portal is just what Austin's talking about. There, there, is, no, there is no set timeline. You know, I mean, you have a deadline, right? Be in school at midterm, but some guys want to take, you know, whenever something jumps at them that they like, they jump right on it, right? We saw that the kid from Louisville, the defensive lineman that committed to Florida over the weekend. We saw that out of Castles, the the UC Davis tight end transfer that Tennessee essentially offered and got an immediate, almost an immediate commitment from. That puts coaches in an interesting spot because you got a pecking order but, uh, you know, do you wait and take a chance on missing out the guy you think may be second on your list? Do you take second on your list and say, hey, let's take that and roll with it? All about roster management. December roster management is as challenging as anything a college football coach is going through right now. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, I, I think that's an aspect of it, Hubbard, a lot of people haven't talked about, but it's certainly in play and influence the decisions. Because it's not like, you know, you take a commitment from a high school kid in June and, you know, then maybe get him to camp. I mean, you got a lot of time to, to decide whether or not that was the right decision you wanted you, to make. And, you know, e- either party can can decide they made a mistake and go separate ways. But, no, I mean, you're under the gun here. I mean, you're offering, boom, take a commit, and that, that kid's part of your program, and all of a sudden you're out on, you know, player X at the same position. So, yeah, it's that, that's a wrinkle of it that I don't think I appreciated the first time around. But and, and maybe just because Tennessee's in a different position, but yeah, it's. I mean, you can definitely see it being something that coaches have to weigh right now. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. 
a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know, it's been over a week since Alex Golish left Tennessee to take over as head coach at South Florida, and I think it's apparent that Josh Hopple's not really in any type of hurry to fill that void, whether it is to hire an offensive coordinator or to go out and hire a tight ends coach, bring on staff, and then maybe promote from within and then call plays himself. Is there anything new uh, with what's going on with bringing another coach on staff here in the last couple of days, Brent? No, I don't have anything new. I mean, Austin may may jump in here. I, I just don't think that there's a, I don't think there's a timeline there. Um, certainly, the coach is not going to be a factor in, in terms of bowl prep. Um, I think where Tennessee's at, I think Ethan Davis is is certainly comfortable with Tennessee. I don't think that that there's a concern. You got to get a coach in to to make sure he's he's okay with everything. I don't I don't think that's a factor. Um, I don't know that there's another tight end in the portal right now that Tennessee is just gaga over. I know there's the kid from Shorter University, Austin, that's still out there, uh, but but I don't. That one doesn't feel like they're they're in a hurry to try to get anything done there with that one. I don't think he's waiting because of a lack of tight end coach. So as a result, I don't want to say Josh Heupel's put it on the back burner because I think he's doing his research on it. But when you look at his schedule. Well, we just talked about – look at his week last week, Austin, right? I mean, he was back across the country three times last week. It's hard to do a lot of interviews when you look at the schedule he's running right now. Yeah, people don't understand. He was in Vegas for the Hall of Fame. He was with Nico. Then he was in Miami for, for uh, you know, the Orange Bowl press conference. And then he had to do a hobnob deal with a bunch of, you know, people at the Orange Bowl where he and Dabo just kind of hung out and, you know, hung out with, with – don't with, – you know, you know, executives and and executives and stuff. Then he flies up to Atlanta, you know, does some more in homes, has lightning in the area, can't fly out. And he's got a, he and Rodney Garner and William Martinez got to drive back through the night. Like, yeah, he can make phone calls. Hype is not one of those guys that makes a lot of phone calls amongst a bunch of other people. He's kind of more of a, like, you know, Hey, I'm going to do this, you know, behind the doors and, you know, that type of thing. I do think that, that Tennessee in some form or fashion will talk to Jeff Ferris at UCLA, who is a Knoxville Catholic grad who coached with David Cutcliffe at Duke. I believe in some form or fashion, they will have some type of talks with him. Now, will that be the direction they go? We'll see who knows. Um, You know, again, I just think that this is still very much in its infancy stages and, you know, we could end up being wrong hubs. He could come out tomorrow and announce somebody, but I just don't see it. And, And at this point, if it ain't, by early next week, it's probably not happening until January. Yeah, and you know what this highlights to me, and we've talked about it a little bit amongst ourselves, it's just how it's kind of a luxury when your head coach totally owns one side of the football when you get in this position. You know, like Nick, if Nick Saban loses a defense coordinator, it is not a big story. They're, they're going to be just fine. You know, same situation here where 
you know, it's it's Heifel's offense, so it the, the hire just doesn't carry the gravity, you know, that that it would in 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 a different situation. Yeah, I mean, if if Todd Munkin gets a job at Georgia, that's a very different deal because Kirby Smart's such a defensive guy, and, and the direction they go there on offense, if that were to happen, would be very different. Same thing if Tim Banks you know, were to leave here or there was a defensive opening here, it's got a different vibe to it um, than, than Tennessee losing an offensive staff member because of what you mentioned, Rob, the, the fact that the, the head coach is such an offensive guy. He can coach any position in his offense. He'll be very hands-on, you know, with, with everything they do on the practice field with the offense, as he always is, but he'll be even more hands-on with the tight ends through bowl preparation and, and then go from there. The other thing, too, is, I mean, Josh Heupel is very protective of his offense. I mean, so so he's not going to interview 12 people and start breaking, breaking down his offense and, you know, all of those things. I mean, he's going to have guys, and he's going to talk X's and O's with those guys just, you know, and, and get a feel for them that way. But but he's pretty guarded um, about his offense. I don't, I don't know that Josh Heupel, Austin, is the best clinic guy for – you know, for, for coaches out there to come and listen to, because I think he's pretty protective and pretty guarded about what they're doing on offense. He's not giving away a lot of trade secrets. Yeah. I mean, even back last year when they were trying to hire a running back or a, a wide receivers coach, you know, and they interviewed David Johnson, they interviewed a few others, like that was actually goalish and the rest of the offensive staff doing a lot of the interviews and then hype kind of coming on the back end with some stuff. And of course they end up promoting Kelsey, but like, you know, I think you're right. I, I think that, you know, that's why, you know, he's protective. And then, too, again, I think he's just kind of more of a – I'm going to have these conversations by myself. That way I can kind of control everything best I can. Um, and then I don't think he's worried about it leaking out or anything. I just think that, you know, he just wants to keep the circle close. Going to talk a little Tennessee hoops. Of course, it uh, escapes with a three-point victory over number 13 Maryland on Sunday night. That's coming up here in just – uh, one second. Don't forget to take, stay tuned in with Tennessee and the transfer portal. We have uh, tracking Tennessee volunteers in the transfer portal, ingoing, outgoing, offers, all that and more. That's at VolQuest.com. It's continuing to move fast, and uh, you can stay up to date with all of it at VolQuest.com. Debatable, debatable on the fast. portal's moving fast. Tennessee's portal's not moving fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the portal's moving fast, and Tennessee's throwing out some offers here and there. Again, tracking and, and, it all right, at VolQuest.com. And, and really, I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, in, in terms of high school kids and guys out there, I mean, it's just a just a fraction of just a couple of real guys, you know, two, three guys, maybe Austin that, that Tennessee is currently involved with. I mean, it, maybe it grows if somebody becomes available and decides not to sign in the early period, but it's pretty slim pickings right now in terms of, of, of what's out there for, for Tennessee and I, and, and I mean, that's because Tennessee's class is done, not not because Tennessee can't get involved right there. There's just not a lot of guys out there to recruit right now. No, there's Arian Carter, who Josh Hyper went in home with on Monday night. Um, you know, my stance has not changed. That's going to be my phrase. <laughs> my stance has not changed from the war room. What is um, your stance? Uh, that, you know, that, that, you know that, that Tennessee had momentum. Um, uh, then there's Tatum T. That's the easiest way for me to say it because uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Um, not without him explaining it to me like E.L. Maliava did. Um, you know, he called Tennessee. He reached out to Tennessee. His dad's the defensive line coach at Oregon. He's committed to Oregon. He's defensive lineman. Now, that seems odd, right? <laughs> so, I think that Tennessee's kind of like, you know, what are these conversations? We'll see if he, how interested he is, see if he wants to come on a on a, uh, on a trip. And, and my thing is, is like, is his dad locked in there at Oregon long-term or could he be 
potentially going somewhere. And that's why, you know, these phone calls have been made. We'll see. I don't know. Um, and, and then, of course, Taven Gadsden, um, the Florida State commit, who doesn't look like he will uh, sign until February and kind of go from there. And Tennessee Gadsden. had three guys on campus for OVs over the weekend. Two of them commits. The other, junior college defensive tackle, Elijah Davis. I know you put a note on the board, but kind of what's your feel for Elijah Davis right now? Oh, just I don't think that, that Tennessee's going to go in that direction. Or you go say Hubs? I was going to say just to, as for Gadsden, for fans who don't know, I don't know how big of a deal it'll be or not not be. He and Larry Johnson the third teammates at Jenkins High School in Savannah, Georgia. And, yeah. and remember, Larry Johnson the third is not he's not multiple years removed from high school. He graduated last May because he didn't get to junior college until July. So they were they were close teammates. I mean, they went against each other every day in practice. It's not like there's a big gap between the two. Are they close buddies? I don't know that. I mean, they, they've interacted some on social media and everything else. But if you're Tennessee, that's probably not a bad thing um, with Gadsden that, that he's got a former teammate that's going to be here in, you know, in January as a ball. No, that's right. I mean, every little bit helps. And, again, you know, Tennessee is constantly flirted with Gadsden all fall. Gadsden's flirted back. Finally, a little bit of movement here um, with uh, in-home with Rodney Garner. And I'm sure Tennessee will hold the in-home with Josh Heupel until the month of January when, you know, uh, Tennessee would try to get in there late and, then, of course, have him come here for an official visit late. Now, let's turn our attentions to the basketball team because I want to get to this analogy. Rob, you know I love my movies. Along came Polly. You ever seen that, Rob? <laughs> a million years ago. Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's out there I'm on, aware some, of it. on those Brooklyn – he's out there on those Brooklyn – Brooklyn basketball courts and he says making it rain and he just rifles it off the backboard that's basically what we saw in Brooklyn on Sunday I liked your tweet where it was a pig putting on lipstick I thought that was pretty uh, fitting for the... I, I think you guys are being too harsh on this thing I, I think you can offensively that's what win. it was I mean I, yeah I mean it was ugly ba- ugly offensive basketball but I, I mean I, I think that was I think that's gonna look back Rob and that's gonna be a solid a nice win, win. I agree with that yeah it wasn't pretty. I give you. I give you that. Too many air balls. I think it was more air balls than it just was bricks. When I saw four air balls yesterday, I'm like, good yeah, first half was- defense, Rob. And then second half defense wasn't great, but still, it's awesome. And Brent just said, I mean, I think this is a win you can look back on and say that really helped you back later in the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I, I think when the selection committee sitting in the room in March, they're going to look at Tennessee's schedule and like the computer numbers for Tennessee and the computer numbers for Maryland. They're not going to break out this box score. And say, whoa, Tennessee was up 16 with, with 11 minutes left. And nearly, that, I, that's not going to be part of the conversation. And, you know, I just don't think fans get that or, or whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm with, with Brent. I think it was a good win. I mean, I, it, it would have been a devastating loss had Tennessee, you know, completed the choke job that they looked at the process of, of putting together since, you know, you were up 17 at the half, up 16 with 1128 to go. But, um, yeah, to, to shoot 28% from the floor and, and 52% from, from the foul line and, and win a basketball game against a top 15 opponent, that's – I mean, that, that says something about your moxie and, and your grit. And, you know, it, what, it was not pretty to watch. And it, <laughs> offense was ugly. But that is that is still a good win. If you don't think so, then, I did, then, you know, tell me you don't know college basketball without telling me you don't know college basketball. Well, and, and I didn't mean to imply that, that Austin and Eric were suggesting it was a bad what is that a bad like? man. That's, no, that's, that's, I didn't, I, I didn't take that. I didn't think they, right. they were saying that, that either. That, that's not what I'm saying. I will ask you this, Rob. Rick Barnes to on Monday after he gets on. Does, 
not 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 what it might mean for him at the end of the year, but what, when he watches the tape and he looks at it on Monday, does he feel does he feel better about getting out of there with the win? Does he feel worse about getting out of there because of the near choke job that they had? Does he does he feel less pleased with the win after I'll reviewing you, the tape? I would be willing to bet the only thing he's going to feel bad about is the defense in the last ten minutes, where they gave Maryland some stuff that just hadn't been there earlier in the day he's not I mean you know he's he's going to look at the, the offense but I, I can I can promise you what what's going to stick out to him are the blown layups like I mean li- literally right at the rim I know May Shaq had one or two um Phillips know, uh, Phillips had a bad one off an offensive rebound it was, just, it was just right I mean, there Euros Euros set the tone with a with a blown mm-hmm. bunny on the first possession of the offense there's so about seven I, of them Yes, and to me, I mean, offensively, I think that's what's going to jump out at him. You just can't, you can't miss the the bunnies in, in the paint. But I think overall, uh, again, the defense in the last ten minutes and the kind of spastic turnovers they had—they had five pretty bad ones when they just looked like they were playing without thumbs. And in about ten minutes on down, where you know they they didn't give Maryland anything easy in in the first half and they gave him some easy buckets in the second half just because they were sloppy and looked out of sorts with the ball. Let's talk about Austin's favorite player Toby Owaka. Had some big minutes. Fozzie Bear baby, Fozzie Bear. Played what 17 18 minutes. He came up huge, Rob. Big oh, time se- whenever Tennessee was without Jonas to do. He played 17 minutes had eight rebounds and seven points. I mean, Tennessee doesn't win that game the way, you know, the way it works out if he doesn't you know, come in there, and it, it was more than just numbers. I mean, he that was a physical basketball game, but and Tobe belonged. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't backing down. He was he was a presence in the paint. Uh, and to me, that's probably the most positive story coming out of that game. And I, I'm not I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that Coach Barnes said it. But he was un, unprompted after the game. He's like, "Hey, if I'm Jonas and, and your Osh, I'd be worried." <laughs> and, and they, I mean, and I, I think he's speaking the truth. He's loved the kid since the preseason, but it was just unclear, you know, if he would have a role. And i tell you what he loves about him is that physical edge that we're talking about. I mean, Tobe knows he has two jobs, defense and rebound, and that's all he worries about. He does not get out of his lane. And, he is the Dale Davis of this basketball team. Rick, Rick loves that about him. And nothing makes Rick Barnes happier than added competition creating more competition on, on the, on the floor to, to motivate guys. There's we, nothing that nothing drives, nothing fuels happiness for Rick Barnes more than, wait a minute, I got an extra guy to compete in the practice floor. That's going to push somebody for minutes because that that's the greatest. I mean, that's the greatest competitive edge out there is when you're battling for minutes. So that nothing makes him happier. Do we think Kane knows who Dale Davis is, Rob? No. I'm looking. I'm looking at his reaction, and that's a no. big no right no, he's now. Googling, he's googling it right now. <laughs> no chance. No chance. I yeah, say, enlighten me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me who he, he is. Played for Rick. He, he, well, he actually didn't play for Rick. He played at Clemson, but it was after Rick was gone. He played in the oh. NBA for years for, yeah, the, Pacers. for the Pacers. And the Davis. They weren't brothers, but they always called them the Davis brothers. Antonio mm-hmm. Davis and Dell Davis. Now I but, know. Hey, before we get off of hoops, I, I I really think that that not having Santiago and not having Josiah, the combination of them together, that's five games now where you've been without one or the other. And I think that's really kind of hurt the development of this team of, of guys, you know, knowing what their roles are, knowing who they're going to be playing with, what personnel combinations they're, they're going to be on the court most of the time with. I, you know, I don't think it's like devastating, 
but I, I think that that's that's been a bigger issue that the staff has been dealing with than, than maybe a lot of people appreciate. Yeah, and, I, and I, unfortunately, I, it feels like it's going to be. I mean, it's hard uh, not to think Triple J is going to be a lingering thing all year long. I mean, it's just kind of what it looks yeah, like. I mean, but I, still, it's impressive that they've accomplished all that without some of those guys so far this year. Yeah, and, and Rob, if if he can't, I mean, if if you can't realistically depend on him you know week in and week out and, and he's kind of on the shelf off the shelf can go can go limited minutes can't go you know that type of thing who is who is the biggest key for stepping into that role long term what, well, what's I would, the, I would, is it I, said, I was well I was, I was gonna say I would have originally said Phillips but he's established himself like he was he was gonna eat no matter what it appears I mean he's got you know so now it's now I think it's Jemai. I think it's Meshack. And they're you know, they're different type players, but you know, Jemai brings some of the things from a, a guy like a guard that's a great rebounder, a guy that can guard multiple positions. He can, you know, do some of those same things that, that Josiah did. You know, I don't think he quite has the savvy offensively as as a facilitator. I don't think he's quite a, quite as good from three, but you know, it's there, there's not like a tremendous drop off there, but I, I mean, I, I don't mean to start anything. But I mean, it's not like people aren't already talking about it. But yeah, I think it's really fair to wonder if this is just isn't something Josiah deals with every week. Yeah, uh, quickly, Rob, on the way out, and I know we're you know nearly a week out, but uh, any early reports on Arizona, Tennessee back in action on the road at Arizona on Saturday? Uh, I think they're a little. I mean, I, I'm not an Arizona expert, but I watched a, a really good chunk of the Maui Classic, the Maui Invitational, and I thought they looked great. I mean, just really high octane. I mean, not from, from a battle of styles, it, it's going to be really intriguing. Not that Tennessee's afraid to go fast. I mean, I think Rick likes to play with some tempo, but offensively, Arizona wants to push it. And uh, that will be a real clash to see, you know, if they can get out in transition, what Tennessee can limit them for offensively. They, they, they are really good in the paint. They got some, they got some skilled big guys uh, that will give Tennessee problems. That, that's where the matchup worries would start for me. But then, you know, they win, they win in Maui and look fantastic. They go on the road and, and lose to what had been a pretty bad Utah team in their, in their first Pac-12 game. So, uh, obviously not perfect, but, but I, I think it will be a really high-level basketball game. So, no midweek game for Tennessee basketball. It will be back in action again on the road at Arizona on Saturday. Uh, Tennessee in the transfer portal. You keep track of it all, ingoing, outgoing, offers, all that stuff at VolQuest.com. Orange Bowl practice. It begins later this week, and some of those early enrollees will be here and practicing, so a whole lot to get uh, information on, and you can catch it all at VolQuest.com. $10 for a one-year subscription to VolQuest.com. It's the per perfect Christmas gift, so go ahead and get that Vol fan in your lap, a subscription for one year at VolQuest.com for only $10. For awesome prize, Spread Hubs, Rob Lewis, I am Eric Kane. I appreciate you guys for joining us here on this Tuesday edition of the VolQuest Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.